we go broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia on Rock Radio UK, the Blues Channel. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is Leroy from the North. He's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Leroy at the top of the hour. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new, original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. And you can vote in the Independent Blues Awards. The voting is open now. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love. And of course, I aim to misbehave.
Here's the blues scale. Uh, 
sing it with me. Breathe. La. La. Now let's try it like this. Close together, wait and see. 
have to hear the blues in a smoke-filled nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV, in commercials, or as theme songs, you will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood.
leather Free martinis Sunny weather Chicks in bikinis Monkey junk
ahead of time they set up at the mall they leave with a stack of orders for all the boys can haul then it's back up to the crib straight out to the shop when the last name on the list is done that's when they can stop and after it's delivered well then the party starts and the help is sitting in Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Leroy of the North. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
And that was Leroy from the North. And we got Eli Weissmeyer on the line right now. Hey, Eli, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm, I'm hanging in here. Now, uh, this good. is the first time you've been on our show, and we always start things off by giving our fans the opportunity to get to know you, not only as an artist, but as a person. So give us the story of uh, Leroy from the North and, of course, of of you, Eli. Sure. Uh, so I grew up in Michigan uh, in a town outside of Detroit and moved to L.A. about about 15 years ago, I guess, and was kind of playing in bands around town and this and that. And, um, and I had so many friends that were playing, you know, we were playing for other bands and whatever, that I just decided, I was like, you know, it might be kind of cool to start, um, start my own band and do something with where I'm writing. And if people are in and out, they can, they can go on and tour with other people or hang around, just, you know, whatever. I wanted it to be as casual as it could, but I was just sort of, I did it because I, I didn't want to just sit around waiting for, you know, a band to call and look for a guitar player. So it just seemed to me like it was the most proactive thing to do. And then I got together with some friends and we just started playing around for the last few years and recording and, and doing all that. And, um, and it's been really fun and really, it's just cool to be playing with friends. Okay. Now, um, you know, every artist has that crossroad moment, you know, that moment where they had several careers in front of them and you chose music as, as a career that you wanted to pursue. What was that moment for you where you knew that music was something you wanted? Well, I think that um, as a kid, I was always playing guitar, and I loved. My mom was very musical, and she would always play, you know, bands like Bob Seger, and uh, she was really into, into Ted Nugent at the time, and Damn Yankees, and this whole thing. So I was always into guitar-driven rock, and I think that while I was a kid, I would play at these clubs in Detroit, and it would just kind of go from there. And I just sort of knew that this is something that I'd want to do if I could. Okay. Now, let's talk about this release. Um, if you were to try to explain to someone what this release is about, to get them excited, to kind of want to go and listen to it, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, this is our first um, full-length record, which is kind of cool. And, and it's been a lot of... Uh, it's coming from a lot of touring. We've been playing these songs, kind of testing them out as we go and do these live shows. And for me, it's just more of a, it's sort of a fun record. Um, it feels guitar driven, which is something that I've always kind of been into, but there's, you know, some, like there's a song called top 10 and it's sort of, you know, tongue in cheek with the music industry. And then there's a couple more serious songs, sort of relationship songs, things like that. And, um, it's something that I, I feel I'm really excited about the songwriting and how it turned out. And I thought that Eric Korn who produced it, a really great job and engineered some great sounds as well. And um, I was excited with the performances and everything. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. Okay. Now, uh, let's talk about you as a songwriter. Uh, when you sit down to begin that process, what do you do to kind of get things rolling? Well, it changes sort of constantly, but I find that if I'm you know, cruising around town or just, you know, doing whatever. And you sort of take notes of things, just mental notes. And then I'll be sitting around or I'll go to the studio. I have a, a lockout space in Eagle Rock and 
I'll just sort of start playing guitar and think that there's maybe a cool riff or a cool chord combination and sing a melody over the top and just if something sticks, I'll record it on my phone or whatever's around. And then I find that I'll take it to maybe a coffee shop or somewhere where I can listen to listen back to it and sort of make sense out of these words and create a story or something that way and just kind of hope for the best. Okay. Now, uh, a lot of songwriters have embraced some of the technology today as tools in their uh, toolkit, uh, whether it's a cell phone or a, or a home recording studio. What are some of the tools you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer? I mean, for me, I think that I always have a notebook with me. I've, I'm kind of old school, I feel like, with, the, with actually writing things down by hand. Um, maybe it's just because I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I'm sure it's much easier to just write it in notes or write it on a computer. But I just think about getting away and sort of being old school about it. And so I think having a notebook and I, you know, my phone, I use the recording feature all the time. And I have just thousands of notes that are, I'm sure, are just total garbage. But some of them stick out. Okay. Now, one of the big buzzwords in the industry today is artificial intelligence. Uh, there are a lot of software uh, out there uh, that can help you write lyrics, help you write uh, melodies, help you write chord structures, uh, even do orchestration like bass lines and, and even horn parts. Uh, and, you know, uh, Ed Sheeran did an interview on uh, Swedish radio where he talked about how he utilized some of these lyric writing uh, AI software as idea generators. Uh, and now you have Paul McCartney looking to bring back John Lennon and George Harrison to put out a new Beatles song. Uh, what do you think uh, this AI technology will do to the music industry and to songwriters in general? Uh, I mean, first of all, I feel like I'm kind of, I'm terrified of it because I think that there's something that it, it it makes it less human to me, um, obviously. But I also don't want to be afraid of it, and I feel like that's kind of the same thing when you know when Pro Tools first came out with recording, or um, you know different techno technologies and guitar, you know amps and things like that. But I feel like where I'm at as a writer and as a guitar player and musician in general, I like what I have um, and, and the tools in front of me. I like having a guitar and an amplifier and pedals that I can make sound weird, just or weird enough for me. And if there's something that I feel like I'm not able to express myself with, then, you know, maybe I'll dabble into whatever I need to. But until then, I think I, I'd like to sort of stay as far away from it as I can. Well, you know, I'm old enough to remember um, going back, you know, in the 60s, you know, songwriters started using things like the rhyming dictionary and, and the thesaurus and you know before that it was kind of taboo you know that was cheating mm -hmm. you know and then along comes uh midi and drum machines and oh man the whole industry was in an uproar over these technologies taking the human out of music and they were going to destroy the industry but now all of this is become part and parcel of the music industry it becomes tools that we all use whether it's a, a drum machine in or a, 
or just MIDI instruments to create, you know, our sonic, uh, you know, characters. Uh, and, you know, tools will always advance. Uh, I think if you use these as, um, as a tool as opposed to a crutch, that they can be useful in the future. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, because yeah. we, we as songwriters, you know, we're always hunting down ideas, whether we hear it on uh, in conversations or we hear it uh, on television or in, uh, see it on social media, uh, see it in a meme or whatever the case may be. It really is no difference if we see it in some arbitrary place or the computer says, hey, what do you think of this? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for something like that, it's, you're right. It's, it's a lot of, you know, when the uh, mood came out or like, you know, synthesizers and things like that, I think people were probably freaking out. And I'm sure there's probably some resistance within me to see new technologies come out because it forces you to have to change or, you know, adapt or whatever. But I still think that you're right. Like it can be a crutch or it can be a tool. And, for me, I like, I like kind of the old school. Like I like what bands like Greta Van Fleet are doing, and they're they're new, they're fresh, they they're doing, uh, you know, everything's very analog. Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe I haven't really heard their newest record, but if they go, they decide to go the you know full AI, that's cool too. But from what I've heard so far, bands even like um, you know the War on Drugs or Tame Impala or, or things like that, where they use a little bit of both. And so I don't want to be scared of AI, but at the same time, I am scared. Okay. Now, uh, of course, one of the things I think a lot of songwriters dread uh, as well is that moment where you have to say the song is done. Um, mm. You know, and move it from the writing phase into production and bring it to the studio, give it to the band, the producer. Um, and, you know, every songwriter has their way of determining that moment in a song's life where it can move on to that next phase. What do you do to determine when a song is ready to go to the studio? You know, um, sometimes I try to not be as precious if I can. I have um, a couple new, a couple more records coming out because I had, at one point I was just writing and writing and writing and I thought that things were connecting and it felt good. And then there's some songs I've been working on for years that I'm like, this thing is just not, it's just not there. And it, it's, it's hard. I don't know. I can't really say one way or the other how I know when a song is done until it just sort of feels right. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, going into the studio. Because writing a song's half the battle. The other half, of course, is creating its identity, its sound, its, its vibe. Uh, and, you know, working with someone like Eric Korn is an, an immense opportunity because of his experience in the studio. Um, tell me about your process when you get into that environment that helps you capture the sound you're looking for. Well, with Eric, I've done a, a bunch of records with him, uh, with an artist, Sam Morrow, who's, who's really great. And... So we worked a lot together in the studio and I like the way he works. He's he'll allow you to sort of do your thing. And then if there's an issue or maybe hear something a little bit different, he's like, what if we try this approach or this guitar with this amp or, you know, I got a crazy idea. What if we throw some, you know, Mellotron on there or something? Um, 
he's and he's very thoughtful in the way the songs flow and he's he's thoughtful in the way that he tries to make the song sound like you as a person like your aesthetic everything he's like is this really being genuine um so i mean i love working with eric and he lets me you know play or overplay as much guitar as i want which is kind of nice and then he'll you know rein it back a little bit okay now um let's talk about uh, the lineup on this who's who's playing on it so i play live with for the most part there's a bass player adam marcos that i've been doing sessions with and we play in a bunch of different bands and we've just been friends for a long time and so he he's been playing with me for since the thing started essentially and then Jason Gambert, who also plays with me um, live a lot, and he is an incredible drummer. I met him uh, when I was playing with an artist named Dorothy a while back, and so we've just been friends, and it made sense. And then there's also Matt Teku, who's who played on most of Sam's records, Sam Morrow's, and he's worked with Eric a bunch, and he's a really good friend. We played in a bunch of different bands as well, so... The drums were split up between Matt and Jason, and Adam was playing on the whole thing. Okay. Well, actually, uh, I've been a big fan of Dorothy for quite some time, so... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, this guy's had a great band going there. Um, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's definitely very good. Now, uh, let's talk about um, the uh, getting it out there. Um mm -hmm. You're working with Patty DeVries of uh, Devious Planet for your radio and PR. Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about that relationship. Well, she, I was working with Eric, and he recommended her. He's like, you have to meet Patty. She's great. She, uh, she'll get you, get the vibe you're looking for, and, um, and sort of connect you to where you need to go. And we started talking and just got along great. And... Um, she's really been helpful in, in certain, like how we want to get this thing out there and certain markets and, you know, all of that stuff that's completely foreign to me. And I, she's been really helpful and very patient. Um, so it's, it's been nice to have her on the team. Yeah. She's, she's very good at what she does. Now, mm -hmm. um, let's talk about the industry. Um, we all know that the consumer today has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. Um, and no matter how we want to bitch, moan, complain, or whatever, the fact of the matter is is that we need to deal with this reality um, and not try to deflect it by saying that vinyl is going to save us because it's outselling CDs. The only reason that vinyl is outselling CDs is because nobody's buying CDs. Um, you know, you can't get a CD player in your car. You can't get one yeah. on your computer. And you can't even go to Best Buy and buy a CD player because they don't carry them anymore. Uh, if you want right. a CD player, you got to go to a thrift store, Goodwill, you know, and, and hope someone gave one up. Um, and, and that is our reality. The, the problem is, is that because of streaming, the consumer no longer looks at recorded music as a product to purchase anymore. It's now a service. How has mm -hmm. that affected you as an artist? Well, I, for me, what I'd like to do is just use it as a way to get more people to shows. I think that, you know, my numbers are, are whatever. It, it doesn't really, this is the first record we put out. You know, I only have an Instagram account, really. I don't really use 
for whatever reason. I think it's just because the band has been so new and I feel like I've just been a little bit behind in all that. But for me, it's just about getting people to the shows and maybe um, if they like the merchandise or they like what they hear at the shows, I'll, I'll bring a little bit of vinyl. And strangely, a lot of people ask for CDs, which is, which is crazy. Because like you said, they're, they aren't in cars or really available anywhere. But they the CDs that I bring, they don't really take up all that much room. And it's nice to kind of have on hand. You make a few bucks here and there. And it's more of like a, uh, you know, you can use them as like a, uh, a vehicle as, you know, some like a collector's thing or a coaster or a coaster that, yeah, either one. Uh, yeah. you know, and I know that in the blues market and, and, and a lot of the roots market that there are a lot of older, uh, fans that still utilize CDs, still have one in their car mm-hmm. because they got older cars. Um, but that's a finite audience because once we lose that hardware, that software is not too far behind in its obsolescence. No. So we need to look at the future and say, okay, where do we go from here? Um, and we all know that the problem with uh, streaming is that it's not sustainable. We cannot continue yeah. to ask independent artists to create content. And let's face it, independent artists are the ones who make up a bulk of the content that's on these platforms and then mm-hmm. not at least give them the opportunity to break even if the music yeah. is good and it's accepted and we get a lot of streams that that should translate into a monetary um, settlement through through these streaming services what do you mm-hmm. think needs to happen to change that dynamic and allow independent artists to recoup their their investment? Well, I mean, I, you look at the movie industry, you look at SAG, there are unions for actors. There's a musician's union, um, but it's, you know, more for horn sections and, you know, strings and a more classical sense. Um I just, that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. And it just seems like, you know, they just, there isn't that big of an advocacy to take care of musicians, which is kind of crazy because, you know, music is heard everywhere. It's heard in your car. It's it's like in soundtracks, it's everywhere. And so it just seems like there's more protection, say, for actors than there are for musicians. And I'm not sure how that changes. If it's like a, some sort of congressional thing, maybe, I, I don't know. I'm, for me, I can just see the numbers like, you know, dwindling a little bit, but at the same time, as long as I'm playing shows, if there's money to be generated there, it can be a grind, but it can also be really, really fun. And, um, I think licensing is kind of how most of my friends are making money, but that even, even then becomes really competitive. So I don't really know what the answer is in terms of trying to get musicians. I mean, cause if you look at Spotify numbers, I think it's roughly four or uh, sorry, a million hits gets like around three or $4,000, which doesn't seem like very much. No. Considering it costs how much it costs to make a record. Exactly. Um, now, uh, one of the things I've been watching is some of the technology and how it's, how it's been changing. Um, and if you look at the digital revolution as a movement, so to speak, um, you know, we started out with the, all this file sharing um, through LimeWire, Napster, 
everyone, you know, was saying, hey, this is going to be around forever. You can't stop this. Yada, yada, yada. Then, you know, the industry comes along and uh, Apple decides 99 cent downloads and we'll send you sell you these, um, you know, iPods so you can carry your music around with you and you can store them all. And, you know, and then, of course, everybody adopts that and they say, oh, Apple owns the music industry. They'll be here forever. Along comes mm-hmm. Spotify. Who the hell's got an iPod now? Nobody wants to store stuff on a device anymore. We're all yeah. listening on our phones. We don't want to clog it up with music. Streaming is just too convenient. I mean, let's mm-hmm. face it, for 10, 15 bucks a month, you have access to pretty much everything that's been recorded in the last hundred years. So yeah. it's a no-brainer uh, when you when you look at it that way. The problem is that uh, these these services, if you're not on them, they um, you become irrelevant if, if people can't find you. So you have to, you know, it's that double-edged sword. Now, there are some technologies that are coming up that are promising to change this dynamic. Um, one of them is the... Uh, streaming services that are now being developed or have been developed that utilize the same technology that cryptocurrency uses which is called the blockchain mm-hmm. basically this is a uh, a ledger that cannot be changed once you put something into that block and they're based on smart contracts and digital applications that can be embedded into this this system And one of the big advantages of the blockchain-based streaming is that they are decentralized. In other words, Mm. no one can own them. No one person or company can profit from them. They are owned by the users and by the artists who put up their content. They are the ones who control these services. Uh, Audius Mm. is one, and that has the backing right now of... uh, Katy Perry, Jason Derulo, um, uh, Pusha T, Nas, all those you know EDM artists, uh, and of course you got Audio Locks and um, Emanate, uh, and there's more coming down the pike. It's just a matter of who's mm-hmm. going to um, you know take over that spot that Spotify has now. Uh, so they're claiming that it only takes 20% of the incoming revenue to run the network itself all the nodes and so forth the other 80 percent can be paid directly back to the artist what do you think of that as a potential for the future of the industry you know people some people have brought that up to me a few times and you know to be honest like i would just sort of blank out um, because it just i was like i have no idea what you're talking about like i know you know crypto and everything but as more and more people are talking about it it's starting to make more and more sense and if that's the case, then that's promising. That seems a little bit, I mean, 20% to run the thing and 80% to split for the artist. It's, that sounds fantastic. Um, I'm curious as to what happens with, you know, major labels and things like that. If, if they're sort of, they're not as gate as much of a gatekeeper as they, are, as they have been. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it's, uh, to me, that's great. It, I mean, it gets, it's great for independent artists and it just says, you know, Again, I guess it's like, you know, let the people decide. 
Well, yeah, and I and I definitely agree. Now, here's something I think is going to blow your mind. Um, there is additional technologies that are have been developed that really are going to change the industry if they take off. Uh, one of the big things is that every time someone writes a song and decides they're going to release it, there is a line of people standing there waiting for you to get a piece of that pie. Whether it's a record company, a distributor, an aggregator, a streaming service, yada, yada, yada. The music industry is gluttonized by middlemen. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Billboard actually did an article stating that of the billions of dollars that is generated by the music industry, only 12% gets to the artist because there are so many middlemen in this industry. Mm -hmm. So we need to kind of trim that fat and get more money towards the artist and give the artist more control over their content. One of the things I'm watching is a site called Royal.io that basically allows you to create these non-fungible tokens, these NFTs, that represent a small portion of your streaming or your uh, publishing royalties, whatever it, your case may be. And one of the rappers, Nas, did this, and what he did is he created enough of these NFTs to cover one half of the streaming royalties on two songs on his last release. Sold mm. that to his fan base and was able to generate almost $600,000 in upfront income. In wow, addition, he now has almost 3,000 fans that have an economic interest in making sure that his music is streamed. And oh, wow. That's, that's great. That's awesome. Right. And it's almost like buying stock yeah. in a song or an artist. And now, if you think about it, Instead of going to a record company who's going to want your publishing, who's going to want your streaming, and it's basically, if you think of a record contract as a bad loan with bad terms, mm -hmm. you don't have that now. Now you can go right to your fan base, and they can be your record company. They could be the ones who, who give you your advance and reap the economic uh, benefits of your success. And really invest them into you as an artist. And, you know, that is a whole different business model. What do you think of that as a potential for the future of the music industry? I mean, this is sort of the, the clearest I've heard it explained to me. And um, my mind is blown. Like, I'm, I'm writing this down because I feel like I'm learning something that is uh, it's so new and it makes complete sense to have the fans be, you know, act as like shareholders or like in, as a fan, if I was in, you know, I liked, I don't know, Chris Stapleton or something. And I have a chance for if, if he has more success than I get, a, you know, more money or whatever, more value back. Then I mean, that's incredible. And you know what the, the best part of all this is, is that the way these NFTs are structured, let's say I buy an NFT of Chris Stapleton and I own a piece of one of his songs as streaming royalties and I make my money back in times three and I say mm -hmm. you know what I'm going to resell this and I get someone to buy it and they, they uh, buy it for maybe three times what I paid for it okay mm -hmm. Chris Stapleton 
now gets a commission off of that resale. Yeah. And he yes. will get a commission off of every resale for the life of that NFT forever. So it's uh, yeah. So now it's a secondary income generator. As it, instead of the initial sale, now you've got the resale you get a commission on forever. Yes. Yeah. Yep. This is Yeah, I I I've heard this again like and I just was kind of it just sort of I glossed over it and then it, but it makes sense. And I think it gets everybody excited. Then you sort of take out that, I mean, it's hard for the fans to really be championing like a record company, you know? So I think that it's sort of, it takes them out of the mix a bit, or at least the, the amount of power that they have. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it really gives them ownership and invest them into an artist that you know now if you're a fan of someone you know and for independent artists it's almost like putting out like a penny stock you know yeah you know yeah you know here i'm going to be successful take a shot on me uh for x amount of dollars you know um if we had this back in the days when i was young you know and i got to a chance to invest in you know the Beatles. You know, come together, yeah. or or John Lennon's. You know, you know it might be Christmas, or even Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. You know, I'd be sitting really pretty right now. You know, financially. Until today, yeah. yeah. So it it could be the way the music industry gets restructured into the future, um, because now the artists are in control. And the fans are in control, and it's a direct relationship between the two, taking out you know, that's, the uh, middlemen. Yeah, that is really that's actually really encouraging because I think that a lot of people, myself included, have been sort of you know treading water or feeling like it's you're just sort of maintaining, and um, something like that is really dynamic and new and fresh, and it seems like everybody wins in that. Right. And I think the only thing that we as independent artists need to do is that we need to make sure we have a seat at the table. Yeah. We are there already as this technology um, develops that we're already there. We're already utilizing it and that we are ahead of the curve. Instead Mm -hmm. of what has happened in the past in in the music industry is that the independent artist is kind of watching what everyone else is doing and kind of, you know, just kind of coming up behind the curve. And yeah. you know, by the time we get a chance to really use it, someone has already corrupted it. Um, if yeah. we get there yeah. first, at least we have a chance to say, ah, 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 you're not, you're not screwing with this. This is ours now, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's really, that's cool. Now, one of the things I think um, we all have um, kind of been watching is when the pandemic hit, a lot of us went on the Internet and we started to do live streams just to stay connected to our fans, just to give us something to do, maybe generate a little money, you know, through our tip jar. But as the months turned into years, um, Mm -hmm. the content changed we started to realize that people got tired of that live stream, even though we got better and better at it. 
they wanted more the fans they wanted to hear stories about our lives they wanted to um experience that personal connection to the artist they were watching so a lot of artists picked up on that and they started to put out content that that showed their their family their their pets their their chickens their you know walks in the in the in the uh, mountains or you know going out fishing or you know i do woodworking or whatever the case may be whatever other hobbies you may have and because the fan base has been so inundated by reality television over the last 30 years, they're very acclimated to that kind of raw, authentic content. And they mm-hmm. really have been drawn to it. And uh, it's become a, to a point where social media marketing and content creation has become a way of developing a brand. So people can, you know, connect to you as a person and a brand as itself. And the brand has become the new product. Mm-hmm. And my question is, is what are some of the things that you are doing as a band, as a group, that's helping you promote your brand and get the word out on social media about this new release? Um and utilizing these these tools of content and social media to help you. Well, you know, a lot of it's I I go back and forth with this stuff just because I feel like you know on the one hand I don't want to be too available. Um, I I liked growing up and reading about you know bands that I like and and it was hard to find access sometimes and sometimes I feel like if I reveal too much or if you, you know, it, it almost becomes, there's nothing for me anymore, like nothing personal. And, you know, there's certain things that, that, you know, I love to share, you know, my hobbies and things like that. Like I love to run, I love to, you know, be outside or whatever. And, you know, my, or my dog or things like that. But it's also, um, I can't tell if people would be interested enough in the mundane things in my life. And I can't tell if it's something where I feel like I'm going to be too self-important by showing so much of this. So I wrestle with that and I don't really know. Sometimes I'm inconsistent. Sometimes I feel like it, like, Hey, like here's a, you know, here's my, a shout out video or something. And, um, so I guess the answer in terms of getting the word out there as much as I can, it's just, you know, sort of trying to engage on, for me, it's Instagram. You know, I'm sure that I'll get into Twitter and everything else, TikTok and, Facebook. I find that Facebook just, I don't, I'm not really on it nor a lot of like my friends or things like that. So I just, Facebook is kind of out for me, but it seems like I can get a lot of, um, sort of get the word out for shows. If there's new merchandise, if there's new music or whatever, I'll, I'll put it out on, um, on Instagram. And that's kind of been my driving thing so far. Okay. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and, and speaking with us. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> today.
when she knows that something ain't right. I just need to tell a friend, and that's where you call me in. Can you watch me suffer? Oh, 
There's a sign in the store Says we'll buy your gold Pawn, quick cash, loans People stare as you artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. 
For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
Lady Adrena, 
I am Indie Blues, and you are live from the Midnight Circle. This is Grania Duffy, I'm in Indie Blues, and you are live from the Midnight Circus.
Go ahead, play your blues if it'll make you happy. Thank you. 
about to wipe out every living thing on earth. Now, what do you suggest we do? Spank it. Can't cheat the devil, he bound to win. They can't cheat the devil, he bound to win. Make you pay with your soul for each and every sin, you know. You can't cheat the devil, he bound to win. Will it tempt you with silver, tempt you with wine? Tempt you with silver, tempt you with wine. Might be the sweetest little peach, or she might be the ripest on the pine. Tempt you with silver, tempt you with wine. Can't cheat the devil, it might win. Can't cheat the devil.
Much pain. 
sad sometimes When you lose the one you love And the pain don't seem to go away Lord, help me Give me your strength And help me wash these blues away
You no longer have to hear the blues in a smoke-filled nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV and commercials or as theme songs, you will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood.
sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks. Think 
moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues? Say you mean it, baby. 
fight Can't begin to treat me right You're messing up my life Every single night Fed up with all your lies About time I'm getting wise It's time to say bye-bye Say you mean it, baby Say you mean it before I And when he moves 
country when smart people were considered cool. Well, maybe not cool, but smart people did things like build ships and pyramids, and they even went to the moon.
in the palm of your hand All I ever needed Was a strong kind man Ooh, oh, who don't leave me No, don't you leave me this way Cause your good sweet loving is What I want every minute of the day you realize how could there possibly be this many blues like a 
on her hip. Say 
home's coming. You can just pull up your shows, curl up in a duvet, maybe even draw up a bath and see where the night takes you. That sounds real nice. Make me cry. 
that's it. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingscene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Doctor, things left on with my friend. I gone, lost my dog, I'm alone. Just fought somebody. I mean, found it funny. I got knocked in the head, man, by old friends. Now lying here, think I'm dead. I'm nowhere, nowhere.